Well, if you own a home, you know that home ownership involves a list that never ends, a list of things that you have ongoing projects that need to be done, things around the house that need to be taken care of. When you buy a home, Hopefully, you have a list of things that you want to check before you purchase that home. And one of the things that you want to make sure of when you buy a home is that the foundation is secure, right? You want to make sure that there are no cracks, there are no weaknesses, uh, anything like that. Uh, one of the houses that we bought in Pinson, in Bur the Birmingham area, uh, there was a crack in the basement. And if you are familiar with Birmingham, I mean, every house is built on a hill in Birmingham. It's very, very hilly, and so houses are built into the side of, of hills. And the, the house that we were purchasing, uh, that was the case. And there was a crack in the floor of the, of the basement uh, that was pretty, pretty decent sized. And I wanted to make sure that it was checked out before we purchased the house to make sure that the foundation was secure. Thankfully, it was. There were no issues there. But, you know, with cracks that are a problem in a foundation, you know, you can patch them with cement, but if there's a foundation problem, that's not going to fix the problem. You can patch all you want to, but that is not going to solve the problem. And what's true in our physical homes in terms of the foundation is also true in our spiritual lives and spiritually speaking in our homes. If our foundation is not secure, then if, the, if we try to patch it with whatever to try to get by, eventually the weakness is going to come through. Eventually there's going to be a great catastrophe. Dr. Tony Evans says this, he says, Many Christians and Christian families are always doing crack repairs in their lives. But the patch is not holding. The cracks come back even worse than before. The reason? There's a foundational issue. And there are a lot of folks who can empathize with that. They're having problems in their lives, and they've tried to repair it on the surface, but there's a deeper problem. If you've got, if you've got trouble in your home and your foundation, then you've got big trouble. And eventually, it's going to be bad. So here's a question. In your personal life, in your family's life, how's your foundation? Is your foundation secure? How about this question? What is your foundation? Because the truth is, in your life and in your home, you're building your life and your home on something. You may be intentional about it, you may not, but you are building, we're all building our lives on something. The question is, what? Because any foundation other than the foundation of Jesus Christ and obedience to his word is a weak foundation. And so we need to evaluate. This morning we're going to open up God's word and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to investigate the foundations of our lives. Uh, he's going to inspect the foundation. Not to be judgmental toward each other, but... You know, if God brings us under con conviction, that's, that's up to him. But we want, we want him to investigate our lives, to inspect our lives, to determine if the foundation is secure or not. And the reason is so that we can improve our lives, but also improve our homes. The good news here in all of this is that you know, life is full of storms, and we've experienced that in a couple of different ways over the past couple of months. But in the midst of these raging storms, we can have a rock-solid foundation of faith in Christ. And that, that foundation in Christ, knowing Him, knowing His Word, and obeying His Word, 
that can withstand any storm that life brings. Even the storm of death uh, cannot defeat us. And we have that foundation. This is part six in our Imperfect Family series. Today we're looking at homes that stand in life storms. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. So whatever challenge you're facing whether it's related to pandemic, whether it's related to unrest in our world, in our communities, in our society, whether it's some other challenge you're facing personally or in your family, there is, Jesus is the answer to that. And we've looked in this series, and we've seen how God's plan, while we're not perfect, none of us are perfect, God's plan is what is best for us. And any time in life we plug our lives into God's plan, we make him the center of our lives, any time that happens, it is right, it is good, it is what's best for us. And we can experience, while not being perfect, we can experience God's best for us, his plan for us. And Maybe you haven't been here for the first five parts of this series, and you're thinking, hey, I, is there anything here for me? I you know, have a family or, you know, or whatever the case may be, and, and the answer is yes, because we're talking about truths from God's Word. We're talking about principles, and especially today, we're talking about the storms of life, and while we're applying it to the family, uh, there's truth here to apply to your life. And we're talking about uh, something that's important, should be important to all of us. What is our foundation? And how can we stand stronger in the midst of life's storms? And that's why we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. This is at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is on a hillside. He's preaching to his followers, and he's teaching them. He's talking to them. And there's two great themes in the Sermon on the Mount. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, one is he's attacking uh, religious leaders of the day, uh, their, their practices, and he, he's, he's looking at the superficial religion and attacking it in and of itself. But then he's talking to his followers and he's teaching them, he's teaching us how to live in a way that God intends and in a way that brings glory to God. Uh, to live our lives to glorify him. We are to live godly lives for the glory of God. We cannot do that on our own. So our prayer has to be, Jesus, you live your life through me. And in doing that, we can live our lives for the glory of God the Father. When we do that, we have the incredible experience of, of experiencing Christ in and through us, but then influencing others for the glory of Christ and seeing others come to know Christ and be influenced by our lives. So in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, this is the end of the Sermon on the, on the Mount, and Jesus, how's he going to end it? Well, he's going to, we look at these few verses, and he talks about our foundation. He talks about what are you building your life on? What are we building our families on? What is your foundation? And so he's connecting everything, everything that he said in chapters 5 through chapter 7. He's bringing it to a close. He's transitioning to it to an end, and he uses a parable to finish up this great sermon. So let's break these verses down. Let's just walk through them together, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, connecting everything he said in the Sermon on the Mount... Therefore, he's connecting it, everyone who hears these words of mine. So he connects everything, and then he says, Therefore, everyone, none of Jesus' followers are exempt 
from what he has said and what he's about to say. If you are a follower of Christ, what he's saying here applies to you. Hear, that word hear, not in one ear and out the, out the other. He's saying everyone who hears, the, the idea is, is being a, in, attentive, that, that you are listening, that you and I, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, as we look at these last few verses, if you hear these words, we are listening with the intent of obeying. I'm on the edge of my seat, I'm leaned forward, and I'm ready to receive whatever the Lord has to tell me in his word. That's the idea here. Everyone who hears these words of mine, and this is important. That word mine is important because there's a game that people like to play, and we've probably all been guilty of this at one time or another. There's a game that people like to play where I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to pull out what I like and choose to obey that, and then I'm going to leave the stuff that I don't like behind. It's what's called buffet, a buffet approach uh, to God's word. But Jesus, what he's saying here is, you hear, you listen with the intent of obeying because these words are mine. You cannot separate Jesus Christ from his word. And so if we try to pick and choose what we want and don't want, that's what we're doing. Jesus is saying, these words are mine. Absolute obedience to the word of God is the natural fruit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So he's saying, everyone, he said, all that I've taught you in, in chapters 5 through 7 about how I'm the way to salvation, about how to live a godly life for my, my glory, I want you to listen with, to me with the intent of doing because these words that I have shared with you, these words that I'm going to share with you, these are my words. Obedience is the natural result. And so he, in verses 24 through 27, Jesus closes with a parable. Now, what's a parable? A parable is an earthly story, just a common story, that has a spiritual meaning to it. Jesus, that was his common way of teaching. The Bible's, uh, his, his teachings are full of parables. And so he takes an earthly story and he applies a spiritual truth. He's teaching a spiritual truth. And here is what this teaches in these verses before we move forward. The picture of how to build a house specifically, literally, a, a physical house teaches us how to build our lives. Jesus is using a, a, an earthly story, how to build a house on, a right, on the right foundation and teaching us how to build our lives. So look at the rest of the passage, verse 24. Again, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell... The rivers rose, and the winds blew, and it pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Its collapse was great. Complete and utter destruction totally wiped out, F5 tornado, gone. I mean, complete destruction. Nothing left of that house. So we have two characters in this story. We're going to call the first character Rockman, all right? That's the extent of my creativity right there. Rockman and Sandman. Rockman represents the wise man. He was wise. He built his house on the right foundation. Then there's Sandman. He is the foolish man. He was foolish because of the foundation 
that he built on which he built his house. So first, first thing to realize before we get into our outline, the first thing we need to realize is that both of these guys heard the word of God. Don't miss that. It's not like one of them was ignorant. They both heard the word of God, and the word hear there gives the idea of continually hearing. So both of these guys had heard the word of God repeatedly, and they were both religious people, probably both went to the synagogue together. And if you would have asked either one of these guys, is God's word important, they would have responded with, are you kidding me? Of course it's important. Both of them would have agreed that God's word was important. And both of them had heard the word of God. These guys today, they would have been faithful church members. They would have been sitting right here in these pews. Probably, maybe even sitting, their families sitting next to one another. Six feet apart, of course, but next to one another. And so these guys were faithful church members who loved the Lord, or at least claim to love the Lord, who heard the word of God, it's just there's a a very important difference in their lives. We're not talking, though, and this is important to understand, we're not talking about people who do not know Christ. We're talking about people who know him, but the difference is in how they handle the word of God, the instructions of, of God. The second thing we need to learn is that both of them had a desire to build a house. Now, I don't know this, and this isn't in the story, but um, I I tend to think that these guys uh, lived next to each other, maybe even next door. The same storm hit both of them. And both of them had a desire to build a house. Probably both used good materials. Same neighborhood, nice neighborhood, used good brick, mortar, wood, caulk, I mean, insulation, the whole nine yards. If you were to stand at a distance and look at their houses, they would look the same. They both used quality materials. They both wanted to have a nice house, and so that was their desire. So we look at their nice houses, and as long as everything is calm, as long as it's sunny and the breeze is calm and there's no major storms, everything's fine. You look back, everything looks the same. At a distance, their lives look exactly the same. And as long as it stays that way, everything is okay. Everything's just hunky-dory. But one day, let's say they're out in the yard. You know, it's the middle of the pandemic, so they're doing what all of us have done. We're working on that list, right? Working in our yard, working in our house. And all of a sudden, in a distance, they hear a rumble. And... They look and see it's dark, and so they know something's coming, right? So they run inside, they turn on the weatherman, they look, they see the Doppler radar, there's a big red blob headed straight for their neighborhood. And so suddenly both these guys are scrambling. They're looking for flashlights, water, looking for some shelter to take. They're, they're, they're scrambling looking for anything that they can find to protect themselves and their families. Real guys in a real world are suddenly scrambling, like all of us have probably done, storms headed in that direction, and so they know it's coming quickly and it's closing in. And here is a very important side note, but important to this. When the storm is closing in, it's too late to go outside and dig a foundation. What you have is what you have. 
And these two guys, the storm is closing in. Their foundation is what, whatever it is, is what it is. One of them solid, one of them not. And when the storm is over, it passes, and it's incredible. Same materials. Looks great from the outside. One house is still standing. The other is completely gone. Completely. Sandman's house is gone. Rockman, he's good. Maybe some repairs to do, but Sandman is devastated. In 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit our, where we lived in Pascagoula. And after it was over with, you could go to the beach in Pascagoula. And it was amazing. There would be a house that was still there. And then next to it, the house would be completely gone, washed out to sea. One house there, one house not. No rhyme or reason. That's the picture you get here. There is a house that's still there and one that's completely gone, but there is a very good reason as to why that other house is gone. It all speaks to the foundation. Rockman hears the word of God, just like Sandman did, had heard it, and, and the difference was he had done, he had obeyed the word of God. Not perfectly, none of us are perfect, but he heard the word of God, he obeyed it, and when he practiced it at home, at work, in his life, he created a solid foundation. Christ created a solid foundation. Sandman, on the other hand, built his house on the shifting sands. He had heard the same word, maybe even had made some promises to God. Lord, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But he never obeyed the word of God. He didn't take the word of God. When it came to practicing it on a daily basis, he just simply didn't do it. As a result... Not obeying the word of God, no solid foundation, his house was swept away. And here's an important truth that we all need to realize. Lives and homes that are built on the unchanging rock of God's word and not the shifting sands of man's wisdom will stand the storms of life. The only way your home is going to stand in the storms of life, if it's built on the unchanging, unshakable rock of Jesus Christ and his word. Look at that phrase, built this house. We see it in verse 24 and verse 26. This can be a metaphor for building a nation. There's unrest in our nation. We know how to build a nation. This can be a metaphor for building a nation. It can be a metaphor for building a church, it can be a metaphor for building my family, or even if you don't have a family, it can be a metaphor for building your life. It's teaching us, again, Jesus saying, you who hear my word, listen with the intent of doing. These are my words. I want to mold you and shape you into who I want you to be, who I've created you to be. And so if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, and I'm going to listen with the intent of, of obeying so that Jesus Christ can build the foundation that he wants in my life. And even with all of my mistakes, even with all of my failures, I'm resting in his grace, and one day at a time, I'm allowing him to build his life and live his life through me. So there's some truths, a couple of truths that I want to zero in before we, on before we finish our time together. The first truth is this. Number one, storms reveal the stability of our homes. Storms will reveal the stability of our homes. When it's sunny, both homes look nice, don't they? They look good from the outside. It wasn't until the storms blew in that you figured out exactly what the quality of that home was. And there's a lesson here because we tend to look at the outside, don't we? 
We tend to judge things based on outward appearance, but as God word, God's Word shows us, in various ways, God looks at our hearts. You know, we can put on good appearances. We can look good in front of everybody else, but if the foundation isn't secure, if the condition of our heart is not right, then God knows that because he sees our hearts. You look at verses 25 and 27, that word and, and when the rains came. You know, it says, and when, not if. In other words, the storm's coming. I mean, if you, if you are alive and you are a follower of Christ, there will be storms. Storms are going to happen. Now, I, I brought a bottle of ketchup with me, and I had to actually look pretty hard to get a glass bottle. Y'all know how hard these are to find these days? But a bottle of ketchup, probably the most common condiment that we use in our homes. There was a t-shirt I saw uh, a good while back that said, I put ketchup on my ketchup. Does that describe anybody? That, we go through about a bottle of this stuff a day in our house. I mean, ketchup is, is, is loved dearly. There's a statistic that came out a while back that said 97% of American homes have a bottle of ketchup in them. I mean, we love ketchup in America. I mean, we just, we love it. And, you know, when you're talking about ketchup, the only problem that I have with ketchup, and maybe you've experienced this, especially with these glass bottles, is actually getting it out of the bottle. Even the plastic ones, you got to shake it, you got to do all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I've noticed that there are really three different methods, you know, especially when it comes to the glass bottle. If you go to a restaurant, they've still got the glass bottle. There are really three methods as to how to get this stuff out of the bottle. You know, some people will take a knife and stab it up in there, right, and try to get it out, kind of scrape it out. Some people, what I call the spank method, they'll, you know, the back of it, it's secure, don't worry. But that's the danger, right? With both of those, if you stab a knife, you know, it could get all over you. If you spank it, get all over you or somebody else. And even the plastic bottles, I, I have an ongoing feud with those upside-down bottles. Does anybody else have trouble with those? I have ruined shirts with those things. I mean, they just, you can't control how it comes out. And there's another method that is actually the, probably the right way to do it. And it, it, is, it is what's called, I guess, the smack method. If you look on a Heinz 57 bottle of ketchup, there is a little 57 right there. That's the sweet spot, all right? I'm serious. And you, if you do like that, that's how you get it out of the, the, the ketchup bottle. So I've told you all, when you come to church, you learn important things. <laughs> So next time you go to a restaurant with a glass bottle of ketchup, you look for the 57. If it's, if it's not Heinz, of course, it won't be. But that is, that's the method of doing it. That's the sweet spot. Well, in 2012, researchers at MIT came up with a solution to the ketchup getting stuck in the bottle problem. They invented a substance called Liquiglide. Now, they're not using it yet, but what they're going to do with ketchup as well as like mayonnaise, other t- things like that, they're going to coat the inside of the bottle, so that when you pour your ketchup, it just slides right out. Hey, that's a miracle, modern-day miracle right there, right? No more ketchup all over the place. But they're going to coat the inside of the bottle. They're going to use it for all kinds of stuff. It, it hasn't been used yet, but it's out there, and it's been in development. They're planning on using it. Well, what most of us want in life is what I just described. We want a liquid glide life, right? We want everything just to flow smoothly. But the problem is, life isn't like that. And we've experienced that in a very real way over the past several months, haven't we? Life is full of unexpected. Life is full of storms. And we think 
we should be able to avoid storms. But Jesus has told us, plain and simple, folks, if you are a follower of mine, you're going to have trials. There are going to be storms that come in your life. We want it to be smooth, but, but regardless of who you are, if you are a, even if you're the most godly, Christ-centered member of this church, there are going to be storms in your life. It's not going to be smooth sailing. Look again at verses 25 and 27. They both have the same wording. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. That's rock man. And then verse 27, the rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew, and it pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Notice how it describes the storm. You got rains from above, floods from underneath, winds from either side. And that's the way storms are sometimes, aren't they? They come in all different sizes, shapes, durations. What, three and a half months now I think we've been in one? All different durations, and they come in all forms, shapes, and sizes. Different types of storms, different types of trials, but they will come. It can be an illness, it can be a pandemic, it can be the loss of a loved one, it can be a child that's not doing what you've taught them to do, it can be some other pressure on your relationship, your marriage, your family, it can be any number of things that is the storm that is in your life. And they bring emotionally, can bring confusion, they can bring pain, they can bring suffering, and, and it can get to the point to where you don't know which way to go. And, and you don't know what the answers are. When we look at Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And because of the fall of man, we live in a sinful world. And, and there are going to be storms. The reality is storms in life should shake us, but they shouldn't surprise us. And they shouldn't cause us to crumble. Storms are real. And, and we have, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And when a storm is, is it's hitting you, it can even weaken your faith a little bit. Let's be honest, right? It can cause us to question what's going on and why. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? It can shake us. And it can cause us to question God. Even if you're the strongest Christian, it can bring fear. It can bring hurt. It can bring confusion. And, and there's no sense in pretending because God knows our hearts. And he knows how we really feel. The storms are real. But in the midst of the storm, you can be certain that, number one, God is still God. And he's in control. And you can go to him in prayer and trust that he's going to be there for you. And this too you can be certain of. Any storm that hits your life and my life first has to pass over the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. Any storm that hits you, he's allowed to hit you. So in the midst of this, whether it's pandemic storm, racial unrest storm, sickness, whatever, loss, whatever the case is, I can know that it has hit my life, and first, God allowed it to hit my life. And so he's got a purpose in it. And ultimately, it will be for his glory and even my good. The storm itself, not good, but he can use it for good. It's not something we always want to hear in the midst of the storm, but our lives are to be lived according to much of the Sermon on the Mount. For what purpose? For God and for his glory. And so even in the midst of storms, God uses those, if we let him, for his glory. Storms serve a purpose. That's another thing. 
that we need to understand. God uses storms in our lives, and he has purpose in it. They're not good, but God is good, and he can bring good out of them. One of the purposes, talking about the family, one of the purposes of storms that God allows in my life is this. It's that it gives us the benefit of evaluating the stability of our families. I'm going to read that again. One of the purposes of storms in our lives is that it gives us the benefit of evaluating the stability of our families. God already knows how stable your home is, but we need to know. And storms test that in a way nothing else can. And so through the storm, we come to know how stable our homes really are, just how firm our foundation really is. Again, appearances were good. Rockman, Sandman's homes, they both looked good. But let the storms come, and we'll see whose house is really built on a solid foundation, which leads us to our final truth. Number two, rock-solid homes must be built on the rock. Standard, simple truth. If you want a rock-solid home, it needs to be built on rock. Now, I don't know a whole lot about construction, but I know one thing. Before you build a house, you go and you pick a spot, right? If you're going to build a house, you find a spot that you like, that you can afford, and you pick that spot. And when you go to build that house, the next thing you do is you build a foundation. You dig a foundation. Look at the next part of our text. Or look at verses 24 and 25. We see the rock. One house is built on the rock. Now, understanding this, rock is not, it's not gravel. I'm not talking about just a bunch of gravel. We're talking about massive, immovable bedrock. Okay? That's the idea here. Now, look at the next. Sand. Just what you think it is. It's loose. It's shallow. It shifts. And it has no stability. There's no stability there. Luke tells us the same story in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, but he adds one thing. Like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of rock. He dug deep, all right? What do you need to dig? you got to have a shovel, right? Now, if you're going to use a shovel, you're going to have to be willing to commit, aren't you? You're going to have to be willing to, to sacrifice. It's going to take work. It's going to mean sweating a little bit. It's going to mean getting dirty and doing the hard work. In my life, if you look at Rockman, he was willing to take the necessary precaution. I think, now listen, I think he is looking at his home, and he knows what's on the line. He's saying, God, I want to protect my family. I want to protect my life. And so regardless of what I have to say yes to or say no to, I'm going to commit to living life your way. And so I'm going to dig this foundation, and I'm going to keep working no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard I'm alive, I'm going to keep digging and keep going and allow you to live through me. That's what he's saying. I'm going to do the work necessary to listen and obey your word. This is what you need to dig a deep hole. All right? Now, what do you need to dig in the sand? A little bit of a difference, right? What do you use to dig? We have, we have sandboxes, not rock boxes, right? Sand is to play in. You go to the beach, you play in the sand. You get you a shovel and a pail, and you play in the sand. 
You can dig a pretty deep hole, spend some time out in the sand. You can dig a pretty deep hole with that. If you're going to dig through rock, you're going to need something a little bit stronger. So let me ask you a question. Just let's get real for a moment, okay? In the last week, just look at the last week, which one of these describes your life? Are you digging deep? Or are you just playing around? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to commit? Are you willing to work? Are you satisfied with taking the easy route? That's what Sandman did, guys. He took the easy route. He didn't want to commit. He didn't want to spend the time. His family wasn't important enough for him to dig a foundation that would last. Now, Rockman, on the other hand, he said, you know what? Bible study, I'm going to dig. Small groups, I'm going to dig. Going to church, serving, sacrificing, I'm going to dig. Bible study at home with my family, I'm going to dig. Discipling my kids, I'm going to dig. I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my home. And Lord, with your strength and your power, I'm just going to keep digging. I'm going to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper because there's too much at stake. There's too much on the line. And when the storms come, I want my family to be protected. And I know it starts with me. Are we digging a foundation that will last? Better question, are we allowing him to dig a foundation in our lives? It requires commitment. It requires work on my part. I've got to be willing to sacrifice, which means I've got to say yes to some things and no to some other things. What does my schedule reflect about what I'm digging in my life? What type of foundation? Because, again, when that storm hits, when it's bearing down, when it's closing in, it's too late. What you have is what you have. Rock. Let's look at the rock one more time. Here's the significance. To hear the word and to do the word equals wisdom. Bottom line. You're wise if you build your house on the rock. And then there is the sand. To hear the word and not do the word means you're a fool. My mom told me never to call anybody a fool, but God's word's pretty clear there, right? If you don't build your house on a solid foundation, you are foolish. The sand guy heard, but he didn't practice it. Heard the same word. One guy puts it into practice, one guy doesn't. And to actually live out God's word every day, it's hard, okay? Hard work, sweat, commitment, time, effort. It's hard work. But to live out God's word every day is worth it. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, faith based on the word will produce a joy that will weather the storms of life. Faith that's based on the word will produce a joy. Hearing and obeying the word will produce a joy that will weather the storms of life. You know, Mandy grew up in St. Louis, and we visit there once or twice a year. And every time we pass through St. Louis, we know we're getting close to her family's house because we see the arch. And that's the staple in St. Louis, landmark. And I've been there a couple times. I've been up in it. If you've ever been there, the little egg that you ride up in, the little elevator, it's, uh, if you're claustrophobic, you don't want to go anywhere near it. And I've been up. I've seen the view from down underneath it from a distance. I've seen the view from the top. And if I'm describing it to you, I'm describing it to you exactly the way I am now. I'm talking about what I saw, right? The view of it itself, the view from the top. I'm not talking about the foundation. But that foundation... Each side is 60 feet deep, and it extends 30 feet into the bedrock. 
That's why it's still there. And it's got a solid foundation. If you're going to have if you're going to have a foundation that lasts, you got to first dig deep. You got to be willing to go deep. And verse 27 ends, one is solid, one's not. It ends by saying, and great was its collapse or great was its fall. These words are serious because Jesus knows the danger. He knows what we're facing. Folks, here's the promise that we have, all right? The storms are real. Jesus knows the danger. He's warning us. But what we can know for sure is the reason that we can stand the storms of life, the reason we can have a foundation is because Jesus has already taken the greatest storm on himself. On the cross, he allowed himself to get hit head on by a storm so that you and I could have salvation in him so that you and I could have a foundation that is deep and is strong and will allow us to withstand those storms. He took on the storm of God's wrath so that you and I could be free of sin and could live a life that pleases him and brings him glory so that we can have the ability to understand this word and to put it into practice. Can't do that on our own. We can't please God on our own. We can't obey him on our own. It has to be him living through us. But because he stepped in front of that storm, you and I can weather this storm. It's not going to be easy. Nothing in life. We don't, we're not promised an easy life. We're promised the opposite according to Jesus and his word. But when you give your life to him, and allow him to begin working, you begin to dig that foundation through faithfulness, through obedience to him and his word. You dig your foundation. A lot of people try to do it the other way around. They try to earn their way into heaven and get there that way. But God says, no, you let me free you. You let me forgive you of sin. And then once you are mine, once I've saved you and set you apart, then you can begin to work for me and serve me and build that foundation that matters. Now, maybe some of you are in the storm we're in right now or some other storm in your life that nobody knows about or maybe only a few people know about, something you're going through, something you're struggling with, and and you don't know much, but you know that the foundation you have is not working for you. Maybe that describes you here today or at home. Whatever it is, you, you know it's not working. And so this message to you is that you need to start back at the beginning And you need to make the most important decision you'll ever make, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and allow him to begin building a foundation that will work. It's not going to be easy. Life's tough. Storms are hard. They're painful. They hurt. But you can allow him to build that foundation. Even maybe you were brought up in church, but whatever it is, it's not working. Maybe you are a follower of Christ, and you have heard the word, but your foundation isn't secure because the whole putting it into practice thing is what you're struggling with. And we all struggle with that at some point in our lives, okay? None of us are perfect. But maybe you struggle with that, and the message to you today is you need to start digging. You need to start obeying. You need to evaluate. Allow the Holy Spirit to inspect your foundation. What are the weak points? What are the areas that he needs to strengthen? Now, we, we moved here from Scottsboro, if you've been to Scottsboro, there's a square, there's a town square in Scottsboro, and there are a lot of buildings in, in, around the square. And there's one building in particular. This is uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, businesses on the square. You've probably, maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard of it. It's an office equipment store, Barry and Dunn. 
Um, it's an old store. I think Lorch's was what it was years and years. There's, a, there's still a tile. The name is on the tile in front of it. And so obviously that's a real business, a real building. Now look at the building right to the right of it, just to the right of it. Looks good, right? Windows, doors. But here's the thing, that's not a real building. It's just a facade. If you go up and you look inside those windows, which I have, by the way, if you go look in there, it's just an alleyway. They didn't want just an alleyway there, so they built a facade next to it. It looks nice, doesn't it? They put up some bricks, slapped a few windows in there, put a door in there, and it looks good from a distance. And so in the square in Scottsboro, you've got real buildings and facades. Now, real buildings have real foundations, right? Facades, it's just a brick wall. That's all it is. You know, good, strong wind, it's not going to stand. Now, compare that facade with another building. There is a fort in St. Augustine, Florida. You've probably heard of it. St. Augustine is the oldest city in America. And in 1672, the Spanish governor of Florida put a shovel in the ground, and he decided he was going to build a fort. So he took his shovel, he stuck it in the ground. And started building, or he paid somebody to do it. I doubt he did it himself. But you get the idea, right? So he started digging. And in that fort, the foundation, five feet deep, 16 feet wide. That fort has never been defeated in battle. And according to HurricaneCity.com, yes, it's a real website, that fort has been hit head-on 11 times by a hurricane, and it's still standing. I'd say he did a pretty good job digging that foundation, wouldn't you? So the question, is your life a facade or is it a fort? Is it built on the right foundation? What is your foundation? Because here's the truth. Fools build facades. Wordplay of the day, I guess. Fools build facades, but the wise build fortresses. A fortress is built on the foundation of the rock, Jesus Christ, and obedience to his word. So what's your life built on? You're building it on something. I want to close with this verse, and then we're going to have a time of commitment, a time of decision. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation, any other foundation, than what has been laid down. That foundation, the only foundation that will last is built on Jesus Christ and obedience to his word. Let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Simple question, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on the sand? Anything other than Jesus Christ and his word, you're building it on the sand. Maybe you need to start with giving your life to Christ. He died for you. He stood in front of the greatest storm there ever was so that you could withstand the storms of life. The greatest storm for us being death. He's defeated it, but you've got to accept his gift of salvation. Jesus Christ, I sin, I know I've sinned, and I need forgiveness. Come into my life and forgive me. Maybe that's you, and maybe that's what you need to pray right now. Maybe you're here today, and your life, your family, is being shaken more than it ever should during this because your foundation isn't working. You know Jesus, but you're not putting his word into practice. Father, we come before you, and we recognize that none of us are perfect. We're not expecting perfection but we are expecting to be in the process of perfection. And Lord, because Jesus, what you did on the cross, taking a direct hit from the greatest storm, the storm of 
of your Father's wrath so that we wouldn't have to. We can be free from sin and free to serve you, and we can have a foundation built on you, Jesus, and obedience to your word, a foundation that will last. Lord, the question for all of us is, what are we building our lives on? Are we building them on your word? Are we allowing you to have complete control of our lives? Are we allowing you to live in and through us? Because that's the only way we're going to have a foundation that will withstand this storm that we're in and any other storm that we face. It's the only way we can protect our our spouse, our wives, our kids from the storms that are going to come in their lives. We've got to get them started building their foundation. Well, we know that begins with a relationship with you. The only way that we can have that is to accept the salvation that you offer only through you and give you our lives. And then it continues with us living for you each day, making the necessary commitments and following through on those with sacrifice and work and dedication in your word, along with you, throughout the day with you, teaching them to our kids teaching them to others as you give us the opportunity to impact people, to influence them for you through obedience, through faithfulness. It takes work and it takes sweat. No, we don't work our way into heaven, but we sure have a responsibility after we're saved. And Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful, that we would respond to your word, that we would listen with the intent of doing that there would be no question in our minds as to whether or not we're going to obey, that we would listen with the intent of doing, understanding that these are your words and they're for our good and your glory. And I pray that in it all and through it all, that we as individuals, our families, this church family, that our lives would be lived for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.